Is that what I'm saying? Rough trade radio. 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 And welcome back to the Rough Trade Podcast. This week, a big episode following an incredible live lunchtime set at Rough Trade East last Thursday. We go five to one with the murder capital and chat influence, process and friendship in the wake of the release of their haunting and captivating debut album. Also got a bit of a new feature for you, introducing Rob, who works at Rough Trade and who likes to rave about vinyl don't you? Uh, I'm talking hidden gems, reissues and classics that might otherwise get missed. He is going to be appearing within this weekly show in a little section that I will let him introduce to you a bit later on. So stay tuned for that. But we've also, of course, got all the usual favourites for you, including new releases this week and the unmissable hot gossip from George over at Rough Trade NYC. Did I mention a big episode? So to kick off, Nigel passed this on to me late last week and I haven't stopped playing it since aside from the subject matter fitting like a flipping glove it's a bloody great tune this bloody great uh you will see what i mean check this out from jeffrey lewis and the voltage i don't know how it started i suppose it was about the 10th grade i'd never bought much music i just listened to whatever was played but there was classic rock there on the radio and it was blowing my mind And it was all the records no one wanted now, so they were easy to find. So I started getting LPs, they only cost a little, and these LPs were all the ones I needed from the 60s. With psychedelic art on all the great sleeves, much cooler and much cheaper than the CDs. And that's the way I caught the disease. I caught the disease for LPs. There wasn't any internet, a lot of times you just took a shot. Pretty soon you figured out which record would be awesome or not If the year was from the 60s, it was probably good bang for your buck If the year was from the 80s, it was guaranteed to totally suck I started learning about the LPs And that's my education to cost both these Three dollars for this Dylan record Oh yes please And the Cream and Rolling Stones and Arlo Guthrie's A giant treasure trove was all for pennies And that's the way I caught the disease I caught the disease for LPs. By 1994, I had completed all my Zeppelin and Floyd. Zeppelin and Floyd. I had all the early traffic, but their later stuff just made me annoyed. Made me annoyed. You realize that the radio just scratches at the top of the dirt. Top of the dirt. When four bucks can buy you crown of creation with the lyric insert. So I had a lot of LPs. My friends were mostly clueless. It was just me in an ocean of cheap vinyl like a black sea. I hardly had an income, but it was easy. An awesome world awaited with a cheap key. And some place in the garbage, they were just free. And that's the way I got the disease. I got the disease for LPs. And then the 90s ended, and I wasn't no teenager no more. But I started getting shakes if I was passing any used record store. I got the finger muscles you develop when you flip through a stack. Crate digging for the cheap and obscure, and there was no turning back. 
total junkie for the LP that nothing in the world was gonna help me. See me quit no sooner than see hell freeze. And there was nothing like the thrill of getting lucky. I'd be blind by Jesus in the breeze. Cause the world was still awash in hell And I still had the disease for hell Nowadays that stuff is so expensive I don't bother to try. Everything's reissued and plus everything is priced really high. The field is overcrowded, it's impossible to get a good fix. So I walk right past the record and I flip through all the used compact discs. Yeah, nowadays it's mostly CDs. No one wants to keep them, so there's plenty. Folk and punk and private press and rap and indie. Bonus tracks and liner notes are just empty. As long as I can still make a good discovery, I still got that music hunger to see. That disease that I got from LPs When they were dirt cheap in the 1990s Whatever people don't want, that's the time to get it Take a chance on something, it might blow your mind And if it's cheap, there's less chance you'll regret it Though I'm drowning in my stacks Because of all the stupid albums I used to try Nowadays, looking back, I just regret the ones I didn't buy. You just heard Jeffrey Lewis and The Voltage and LPs. I am going to be quoting that song for life, I reckon. Just the most fun. And I'm going to beg you guys to check out the video on YouTube because... Oh, it's a record shop junkie dream, it really is. I, yeah, I totally have the disease. <laughs> I am told that a new album is coming very soon, so do keep posted for that at roughtrade.com. Um, yeah, really, really excited. New this week, and JSOM's fantastic new album, Anak Co, is out on Rough Trade exclusive vinyl. A big favourite over at Rough Trade NYC too. It is a double whammy coming in as album of the week at both Rough Trade UK and US. Please go and check that out. I thoroughly recommend it and we're really, really excited to have that exclusive. Also out this week, AJ Haynes blends her gloriously malleable voice seamlessly around the temples of rock, soul and funk. Sarah Tones's second album, Power, is an exploration of sound and soul, all the while maintaining the emotion and intensity from their debut record. Check out this song from the album, This Is Gotta Get To Know Ya.
That was Serotones next and the new album from Ceremony. Their Relapse Records debut, the highly ambitious in the spirit world now. The album sees the California Bay Band at the height of their creative output, taking their cue from post-punk and also rock. I think... This is going to end up as a hit of the summer, I think. One of the most infectious records, certainly here at Rough Trade. Um, we also happen to have it on, right, get this, Rough Trade exclusive, double mint green with heavy Halloween orange, orange crush and Easter yellow splatter vinyl. What the hell is that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go out and get it out of its sleeve as soon as the show is over because... That needs inspecting, that's for sure. The album is a banger, so yeah, here's a banging track from it. This is Years of Love. Ceremony next and an incoming one over here in the UK. Pet Deaths are a London-based duo who blend enchanting ethereal concepts with poetic and hypnotic melodies. I really, really love this actually and they've had some really great reception in the press with the music that they have released so far. Their debut album is called To Top of the Hill and Roll and it is released on the 30th of August and they're actually going to be playing Rough Trade East the day after on the 31st. So check out this track from them and if you like what you hear, go to roughtrade.com slash events and get some entry to the in-store if you are local. Should be really, really good. Um, So yeah, this is their latest single called Wind Up Birds.
That was Pet Deaths, and now it is time to meet Rob. Hello, and welcome to my little feature that I can't believe they've given me this. Uh, I'm Rob Morgan Hume, and here's a little feature that I call Rob's Rough Trade Record Reissue Roundup, or as I think the kids will start to call it, Ra-ra-ta-ra-ra-ra. Um, let's get to know one another. I'm Rob, and I sort of make sure that all the records are in, so I get to see what's coming in and what you lot are taking out of the shop. I like to take notice of those little nuggets and gems and also the little classics from uh, from way back. You know, the stuff that needs reevaluating or the stuff that wasn't quite loved or, you know what, we need to celebrate this album once again. Um, so every week I'm going to be giving you a kind of roundup, a sort of look at, at stuff that's sort of coming out in the next couple of weeks or stuff that's uh, gone by. So we're going to have some a, a real dive into some little hidden gems on some of our favorite reissue labels and uh, also a look at sort of some classic albums that have sort of been sort of touched up a little bit, given an extra bit of love and a bit of a reappraisal. For this first episode, a collector's piece, if you will, Blue Jean Tyranny's Out of the Blue which got his first ever vinyl release uh, by the people at Unseen World, is kind of everything you'd want from a reissue. It's got a track that sounds like some little lost AM Carol King record. It's got some little funk number that goes off onto some other planet. It's got some nice little sort of field recordings and some sort of storytelling and some sort of spoken word. It's only four tracks, including a wonderful little 20-minute um, excursion into somebody else's mind. Um, it's a really fantastic record and a real sort of um, hidden nugget. It's only just come out on uh, vinyl for the first time. And whenever we play it in the shop, people are like, what is this little number? Um, do, do pick it up. It's truly a wonderful record and actually sounds like somebody like um, an Ariel Pink or somebody who's a Conan Moccasin or anybody who's currently making experimental music, experimental pop music, would be proud to make today. One of the interesting things about reissues is sometimes the sort of digging up of lost tracks of sort of unreleased stuff. Some of this stuff is best unreleased for a reason, but they're curios. And often you find the gem of the lost album. Again, a lot of times these kind of always fall short and there's a reason why these are lost. Nobody they wanted them to stay behind that sofa. But sometimes it's worth pulling up. In the case of Tubby Hayes, who was uh, a legendary British uh, saxophonist, in the day could stand up against all of the great Americans and played with such greats as uh, Quincy Jones. Um, so sadly, he sort of died uh, only at the age of 37, but left behind this incredible lost album, which uh, has been called uh, Grits, Beans and Greens, The Lost Fantana Sessions. This record we play in almost every morning at the moment, and it slaps like any great uh, Dexter Gordon record, any great, I mean, it could be there with uh, John Coltrane. This is how good this record is. It's out on Decker, and they've done a beautiful job of bringing this uh, lost gem back to life. Have you heard the new OC's record, Face Stabber? Oh, it's a little psychedelic masterpiece. Yeah, it goes a bit proggy. Yeah, it's proper scuzzy at times. Yeah, it's garage rock, but do you know what else it is? Sounds exactly like Can's Tago Mago. 
or at least it pays homage to it. And guess what? We've got a brand new version of Tego Mago coming out on exclusive colored vinyl, only available at Rough Trade. So it's like Face Stabber, but shorter and more classic. Let's finish up this little short section and let's chat about my favorite comp of the year out on Infology Records, who just so happened to be the reissue arm of uh, our label of the month, Mexican Summer. Um, they put out a fantastic comp called Sad About the Times, which focuses on the sort of post-psychedelic Los Angeles American sound. It's very West Coast. And it kind of reminds me of sort of like uh, a little bit of Sixto Rodriguez. It's, it goes a little bit Neil Young in places. Uh, you got a bit of Nick Drake. In an alternative universe, these guys would have been these people. These would have been the people you would have been listening to on FM radio. Proper, original, sad lads. And it's actually compiled by one of the members from Total Control, the post-punk band, uh, Mikey Young. Personal favorite track of mine from this record is by Space Opera. It's a track called Holy River, and it is some kind of Birdsian jam banger. Honestly, this, this track, some of the guitar sounds in this has me biting my knuckles. That's how good it is. And it just happens that this that track is only available on physical copies. So you're going to have to buy the record to hear it. Trust me, it's, gonna, it's worth the admission fee alone. Um, but I'm going to leave you with a track from said album. It's uh, a song by a guy called Boz Metzdorf. We don't know anything about these guys. Um, but luckily, you know, they're getting a new kind of uh, a little push. They're being put to the forefront again. Who knows? Somebody might find Boz and uh, put out a full length. Uh, this is a track called Sails Across the Sea, and this is a little bit Neil Young, so of course it kills. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.
Thanks, Rob. Rob will be back next week with more of Rob's Rough Trade Record Reissues Roundup. Get your tongue around that. Um, five to one time now and a band riding high on a big dose of deserved buzz. They're also a personal favourite and hit for myself. I sat down with James and Dermot of The Murder Capital. Five to one, baby. One in five. No one here gets out of So welcome to the Rough Trade podcast. Hello. The Murder Capital. Yeah. yeah. What's up? <laughs> How are you guys today? Pretty knackered from your week of craziness? Yeah. Felt it there today. Yeah. A little bit, but I feel okay today. Really yeah. excited. Yeah. Cool. So at the time of recording, your album When I Have Fears has been out very almost one week um, to the day. And we are sitting about two hours out of your in-store at Rough Trade East, your very first ever one. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Um, accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Feeling it, good. Like some people come in here and they say that like a rough trade in store is like a bucket list thing. Definitely. Like, check man, it off yeah. the list. You spend like when you visit places, it's nice that there's a rough trade and you can just walk around it. And then it's, you always see the stage empty. Yeah. So I've never actually been to a show at a rough trade. So it's <laughs> funny that I we're playing one. Nice. Well, congratulations on your debut record. It is absolutely stunning. I am personally a massive fan. Um, Thanks, Emily. And very welcome <laughs> and the reaction so far kind of across the board has been pretty incredible has that been quite overwhelming in a sense um not so much overwhelming yet but it's definitely far beyond what we expected yeah everything we do is far beyond what we expect so sort of i mean i guess we do have like certain things that we want to achieve or whatever but mm. the way it's been received is just um it's hard to say you know because you you're, you're keeping that secret for so long and then yeah once it comes out, there's a certain like levity to your body that you didn't have before, and the songs sound different. Everything sounds like nicer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 just been really cool. It's like just amazing to see so many people at different in-stores like buying records, coming up to say hi, and like especially like for us, I think it's cool to see like kids, like twelve-year-old mm. kids, coming up to you. That's like oh wow, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is such a kind of captivating mix your album it's got these kind of ominous crescendos um there's definitely this like kind of eeriness about it and i think for me it definitely conjures all sorts of kind of almost industrial landscapes mm -hmm. um in a sense but it's also very gentle in places and very tender um like the moments with the violin for example um i wondered if you had the idea for the sound of the record kind of very much figured out before you came to writing or was that something that was a bit of a process. I mean, I appreciate the origin of the name of the band and obviously mm -hmm. a lot of the themes in it are to do with the loss of your friend. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, um, I suppose the sound of the record wasn't realized until we got recording and you sure. know, actually into nitty gritty of it, but we definitely did have um, an idea of what the intent of the album was. Um, yeah, I don't know, like, cause I think like a lot of things were exposed when we recorded um, uh, in London, but I feel like it was actually a lot, a lot more finished than we thought it was before mm -hmm. we went. You know, yeah. it's just that the things that occurred during recording were so crucial in the end that it, you know, it feels like it almost 
wasn't a record before then, but I think <clears throat> we had pretty much the track listing before we went and, you know, there was just like things, things we hadn't noticed, I guess. But um, the sound itself kind of, I think we started to hone in on that a lot more once we realized the name of the record. Mm, okay. Um, that gave us a, a, a much e easier sort of like a reflection point. Sure. Yeah. Did you have a lot more songs that maybe didn't make the record or was it kind of making rec songs um, to kind of fit? Well, yeah, yeah, we had a couple. We cut a lot. Yeah, we did cut a lot, but it was always kind of <clears throat> challenging ourselves, um, kind of going back to this song sound like When I Have Fears, <clears throat> whatever, you know, that meant to us individually and collectively. Yeah. 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 Because, like, I think when, when we cut songs, we don't even think of them as songs anymore, you know what I mean? So it's, like, mm -hmm. only the ones that make it through in the sense. So, like, we went to London with nine tracks. Yeah. And we knew we wanted to write a tenth track with a different texture, a different instrumentation. That was how okay. we had the streets. But, um, yeah. And you recorded the album in London? Yeah, we did, yeah. What was that like? West. Was that exciting? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Harlesden. Okay. Was it? No, uh, Wilsden. Oh, Wilsden. We lived in Harlesden. We lived in Harlesden. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Harlesden Mass. Was it hard going home after being in London for so long? Uh, I was think I nice? was ready to go home, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just like... We really, yeah, like, yeah. bled it dry for all it's worth. Yeah. Okay. Across, across every sort of manner of means there, so... Absolutely. Yeah. Week by week was just like, yeah, had its own little adventure. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Every time. Get the work in, done and then get some get some play. Yeah. yeah. In and outside yeah. the studio. Do you see... Would you see yourselves ever coming to live here or are you very much, like, going to stay home? Not right now. Like, maybe eventually at some point, but, like, for us now, I think, because <clears throat> we're on tour so much, it's cool. Sure. Like, you just go home and you're home. Yeah. And, like, you're, clo you're close to family, things like that. So um, it's just easier that way. And Dublin, you know, this, this, the it being so small is actually something really comforting about that and like mm. nice that you can just go to your local bar like go to the garage or whatever yeah. and just like hang out and yeah 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 you nice. just know what you're at you know nice um you guys cite one of your influences on the record is the work of photographer francesca woodman mm. so i actually listened through to the album while looking at That's her cool. photos just to kind of see what that would kind of do um and it was kind of this bizarre haunting yet really kind of comforting experience for me which was really interesting and I think it made the album all the more kind of yeah wow. meaningful to to me I mean when did you guys first discover her pictures did that come in right beginning or oh kind of it wasn't through? that it wasn't too long ago middle I think it was um, in the middle it was some weird time around September October yeah we were in a big drought yeah right okay like yeah. Well, yeah, you know, like we've only been a band for like well, five of us been playing together for like a year, so a big dread for us could be like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Like, it, it can be still, uh, still, still pretty uh, intense time. And <clears throat> uh, we were looking for this for a single artwork, I think. And I came across her work online and mm. um, showed it to the lads, and it was just the first time that we'd sort of like first time in a, in a while that we'd all been like collectively affected by another artist, like mm. at, at the same moment, you know, and. So we watched a documentary with her sort of um, questionable parents and we wrote Green and Blue the next day. And oh, I think wow. it was just like that sense of like the isolation in her photos, but also that f like feeling of some sort of like dark love behind it as well. Mm. It's like, uh, mm. and obviously just knowing what happened to her affects, affects the way you look at the art as well, because it's just like, you know, it's, it's like, listening, like listening to Ian Curtis's lyrics or something like that sure. in hindsight yeah. Yeah. yeah but just that idea of like isolation <clears throat> was really um, well for me when I 
when I saw it, I knew I was kind of isolated in some ways in my yeah. life. Totally. And for the first time in a while, and that, I was just like... I think that's why in Green and Blue then, all the, all the instruments are isolated in their entry, um, which wasn't really looked at at the time, but it's funny mm. how those things like affect you so mm. heavily and you don't know. Yeah, so where you say, when you looked at her work, you could kind of see her story. Do you hope that people will listen to your album and kind of your story will come through and your experiences? Well, I think our our experiences are innately there and like we've projected ourselves onto the album and confronted ourselves in Mm. that manner. But like the the beauty of it is projecting one's own life upon it. You know what I mean? That's why the lyrics are there to, to be, you know, like pulled apart by you and your past. And the same with the music, you know, it's like it's... It's, yeah. it's a shame when when bands given great detail like their personal experience of why everything's about like you know yeah. certain things here and there but it's yeah. cooler to think it's about you or whatever yeah exactly yeah. like just being able when you listen to a tune or read some lyrics see something uh, in yeah, yourself yeah, yeah exactly like yeah. just be able to relate your, to yourself yeah. in a way that you wouldn't have been able to unless a piece of music or a lyric came into your life you know? yeah mm. I definitely got that sense when I was looking at the photos and listening to it you start to get lost in kind of your own thoughts and as you say, like relation to what you're experiencing. It's very cool, um, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> um, so the term post-punk resurgence, <laughs> I think, gets banded around a bit with bands like yourselves, Idols, Fontaine, Shame, mm-hmm. etc. Do you find that kind of frustrating or do you find it almost flattering or do you just not really think about it? Um, they're all our friends, yeah. so we don't really like see it in any other way than like... I don't know when like when journalists are writing about the Dublin scene and whatever and all these bands or whatever it is it's like I guess the joke for us the in joke is that the scene is actually just built on just real friendship and it's not, it's like nothing else yeah. to do with the fact that we all just happen to like inspire each other at the same time yeah. to like work a bit harder probably yeah. you know like it's just like we spent all our time getting drunk talking about doing this for for a while like so we just started you know putting words into action yeah it's very it doesn't cool. bother me. People can say whatever they want. Like it's cool. We're all mates. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. When Fontaine, I had Fontaine's in here back in April actually, and we were talking <coughs> about you know their favorite bands from back home and stuff. And you guys were right up there. So yeah. like the friendship is pure. We're gonna it's see them at the end of the road next weekend, aren't we? So oh, awesome. Yeah, good time. yeah, we're gonna be there too. It's gonna nice. be great. Gonna be good time. See you there. <laughs> um, I just wanted to bring up the the Irish thing. Not that there's an Irish thing, <laughs> but that you, Irish, you guys... The Irish question. <laughs> the Irish oh, question. <laughs> Just in the sense that I think you have said, uh, as a band or individually, that maybe in the past Irish bands have found it kind of hard to be... I don't really want to say accepted, but kind of have a platform until they've been right. kind of certified, shall we say, by a UK audience. Do I you mean, think yeah. that's it, changing? It works that way now. Like, I mean, we get like... I don't know. Uh, how do you? How do you? How do you know? I don't know. Like we've actually only recently, I guess, we feel like really accepted by any audience. You know what I mean? For because yeah. like for a long time, you're just being, you know, in general, like just judged or whatever, or just like trying to figure you out, which is fair yeah. enough. But like it leaves for a very sterile room a lot of the time, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so now, like when we play like all together now in Ireland, or when we played the Button Factory the other day, Workmans. Um, people are there like with you you know what I mean and so that's cool so I don't know I don't know what that is but it's probably the same feeling for people in their own hometown or whatever you know yeah it just yeah. feels like there's almost like too much pressure on on uh, needing that needing that like love yeah you know but I guess having like Fontaine's and kind of fellow bands even like that maybe aren't from Ireland it kind of helps build this 
barriers yeah. down sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Like it isn't like it definitely is important for Irish acts to get out to the UK because you know our population is that one of the biggest yeah. country. But like we definitely there's, there's great music from all genres. What's the I, population Don Jacqueline? Don Jacqueline is about I'm gonna get this wrong, maybe five thousand. Oh, maybe. I don't know. There's been a lot of uh uh housing estates been built up. Oh, right, yeah. It's like six. I'm from a little village. Big D's uh, from oh. Dunchocklin. And it's uh, okay. I'm a rep yeah. repping it's, it's not the same as it used to be. Okay. It tells you that. <laughs> Big corp ph- pharmaceuticals have moved in up the road, so oh. goddamn Pfizer. Uh, goddamn Pfizer. <laughs> I think it's trying actually. Anyway, oh. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm from a place for seven hundred people, so Oh no way. It's Where not is that? it's not a country though. It's in Hampshire, which is like Hampshire, yeah. South England. Lovely. But there's no bands from there, so. Good air. Yeah. <laughs> it does have good air, unlike <laughs> London, but we love it. Um, guys, thank you so much for today. I won't keep no you any worries. longer. You can go out and sound check. We're very, very excited for your set. Um, but just to close this out, could you pick a track from your album? I'm about to point um, at one of James's fingers. <laughs> so I'm going to go for his uh, ring finger on his right hand. I don't know what number that. The, four? What that corresponds we to? Going with well, four? well, we don't know because uh, slow dance, oh, yeah. slow dance one and two. Okay. Yeah. Amazing, guys! Thank you so so much. And thank we you very much, Emily. See you at end of the road. Nice one, Emily. <laughs> Have a good day.
The person you have dialed can't take your call now. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press the pound key for further options. Hey guys, it's George from Rough Trade NYC. I thought if I brought a little more energy, you'd pick up the call, but no one's picking up. So I'm just going to talk and tell you about what's happening over here. What's the haps at uh, Rough Trade NYC in Brooklyn? Um, have you guys heard about the summer sale? It's really heating up. We're going to 75% off, guys. 75% off. Hundreds of titles. That's insane. I don't even know if we're going to make enough money to pay the staff this week. So just make sure you buy like one full price item if you're going to buy all these 75% off things, okay? We got to pay the bills. Um, but there's still a lot of great titles. I implore you to shop at both the UK and the US website because there's very different titles between the two continents. Um, and yeah, what else can I say about that? But buy some great stuff, super cheap. I mean, you'd be a, a goddamn fool not to. Um, did you guys hear about this? They're doing some Beastie Boys reissues on colored vinyl of, I think it's four different records. We got, um, you got your old, uh, Ill Communication. You got your Root Down EP. You got, uh, To the Five Burrows. And of course you got the quintessential classic Paul's Boutique all being reissued on colored vinyl. Those are up on our website for pre-order. You should get in on those um, classic records. Those records formed me as a young child living in the United States um, in good ways and probably a little bad ways, but mostly good ways. And uh, I don't know. I will never get sick of listening to Paul's Boutique or really check your head or ill communication. They, they all hold up for me, folks. They all hold up. Um so there's a guy coughing outside my building. It's kind of disturbing. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm not calling from a studio, guys. This is real life, real life. Um, this one, uh, this is going to be my, I guess, uh, new release pick of the week. This is uh, something I wanted to give a shout out to. Um, new one coming from Daptone. Artist by the name of Doug Shorts. Great name. Very appropriate with the summer sale heating up. You want to switch into your shorts. See you later, James Pants. Hello, Doug Shorts. That's what I say. Um, anybody remember James Pants? He was actually really great. Um, anyways, uh, he's got an album coming out. But they've um, dropped a 7-inch. And it's for a track called Get With The Program. And that's kind of what I have to say about listening to this podcast, guys. Get With The Program. Download it. Listen to it. Share it with your friends, share it with your mom, share it with all the people you know, um, and tell them about how great everyone here is at Rough Trade, especially me. And, um, you know, go shake your ass with a little bit of Doug Shorts. Guys, get with the program. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>
better get on over here and get with the program. Wanna step up to the gate, baby? Come on now. Get with the program. George and thank you to both James and Dermot. When I Have Fears is out now. To close out today, another Rough Trade Essential and I'm going to get straight to it, this one. Um, After celebrating its 17th anniversary last Tuesday, Interpol's debut album, Turn on the Bright Lights, is melodramatic, cynical and lavish, dark and light, slender and expansive, measured and immediate. It is the epitome of balance. I think this album holds a lot of memories for an awful lot of people, certainly from the conversation that we saw when we posted about it last week on our socials. Um, It's just, it's an amazing album. Really, really special band. Of course, they played um, an in-store at Rough Trade East just last last year, um, which was absolutely incredible. And 
such an amazing experience um, for anyone who was there. Um, but the, yeah, this album is essential to own. Um, the track I'm going to pick is NYC, a little tribute to our New York store, of course, and all of our wonderful customers over there. So thank you very, very much for listening this week. Um, and yeah, I will catch you in the next one. Bye. Sick of spending these lonely nights
Rough Trade Radio. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.